Welcome to episode 219 of Texting, hosted by myself, Justin Vincent, Jason Roberts. On today's show, um, I can't talk about too much that's going on in my life because it's all top secret and Jason's mad at me because I can't talk about anything because it's all top secret. Yeah, it reminds me of my uh, friend, Ken, who de- who works in the high-frequency trading business. Right. And every time we get on the phone, I'm like, so Ken, uh, what's new? Can't really talk about it. How's work? Can't really talk about it. <laughs> anything uh working anything cool can't really talk about you know it's uh it's like the, the, the rule of thumb is don't be uh friends with anybody who has a top secret life because you'll end up uh with nothing to talk about so don't don't make friends with james bond yeah it'd be pretty boring you'd yeah. probably just like, so what you've been doing lately yeah so what's new can you have can you talk about anything uh eh, there's a whole bunch of new stuff which i can't talk about i said to you before we started the show don't ask me what's new because I can't talk to you about anything. And of course, what do you do? You ask me what's new. Okay, fine. Thanks. Thanks for making <laughs> oh, me look like a, a little bit. This way, yeah. squirm a little bit. All right, there's something. Right, there's got to be um, something you can, you can eke out. Well, I'm I'm enjoying uh, working in Idea Lab. Um, we had we had a great Christmas uh, week, and last night uh, I guess I was drinking. Well, yesterday I was drinking from 12 p.m. till about 2 a.m. Okay, so so with various different people from Idea Lab. <laughs> okay, so first things first. Now, you, uh, I think you'd be a good candidate for like a spokesperson, right? You get up and actually say nothing. That was actually pretty good. <laughs> yeah, you get up and they talk for like a corporation or for the government spokesperson. They march them out and they oh, like the way how deflect everything. Yeah, I could do that. Yeah, it's not bad. Thanks. Secondly, I thought you really weren't supposed to drink because of your. Um, yeah, various issues. Yes, the, fatty the liver, fatty diabetes, liver, diabetes, overweight. No, it's, it's C- true. CVS, it's true. Disease. Yeah. But so, what happens? It's Christmas. And no, but what I happens with your body when you do that? Do you have? Does it affect you? Do you feel really bad the next day? Or are you? It depends how much. I mean, you see, the thing is that, like, because you, you don't drink, so you you don't really know. But if you if you drink, if you kind of space it out over time, so maybe have a drink an hour. Okay. You'll be fine the next day, even if you have ten drinks. Okay. But if you do 10 drinks in two hours, you are going to be really in a bad way the next day. Okay. So for somebody who doesn't drink, let me ask you this. How can you actually consume that much liquid? Like even if there are like glasses of water, I mean, wouldn't you just be sort of bloated with liquid? Uh, ten, like 10 drinks or something like over a space of well, like 10 hours? What happens is as you, as you get drunker, you, everything becomes not a problem. Like life becomes easy. For example, Cold doesn't happen anymore. Like there's no such thing as cold. The drunker you get, okay. You know, so you can walk outside. And they, they call it a beer coat. Right. I yeah. see, I see. <laughs> you just don't notice it. You get hungrier, so you eat loads of stuff. You drink more. You know, it's it's very um, it's it's a nice place to be in. It, although I probably shouldn't huh. be advertising that. <laughs> right. Okay. So now, in terms of like not drinking because it affects, say, probably diabetes is the most important issue, right? Well, you see, the thing about alcohol, the main way that it affects diabetes, to my understanding, is that um, it makes you eat more. But actually, the alcohol itself, the sh- alcohol as sugar doesn't affect your kind of diabetes blood sugar levels. 
Really? So you could go. It's, have like, it's like a different. It's a different type of uh, sugar. You sure about that? Are you just? Kidding? Yeah. Well, so so diabetic chocolate. Basically, what they put in is they put. It's called al- uh, sugar alcohol. So you can drink alcohol as a diabetic. I think so. Yeah. You think so? I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you might want to check with your doctor on that one. I could okay. be wrong. <laughs> I'm not trying to... Let me rephrase that. I hope so. <laughs> I don't seem to be... I mean, I don't know. I mean, life seems to be going well for me because of maybe the personal trainer is offsetting some of this bad stuff that I'm doing. Well, I'm only partially trying to put you on the hot seat. Not Most of them curious. So yeah, I, yeah. I'm, I'm putting you a little bit because it's fun. But I know. Here, here's, here's the thing, though, because I know some of our listeners are wondering, and uh, I'm going to get emails like, why didn't you ask Justin next? So, Okay. Um, you know, I remember before you initially were diagnosed with having fatty liver and some other issues, you said, I'm feeling great. Cause I had, had we've had conversations like, you're, you know, do you exercise ever do do these things? He's like, no, I don't do anything. And I'm total perfect health. And then you went to the doctor and the doctor's like, this is really yeah. bad. You've got a lot of, a lot of issues. So when you say you're fine, do you measure your blood sugar? I mean, do you have any area insulin levels? Do you have any idea like on a daily basis? Like how, how I do that? actually, I do actually. And since I've been working out with uh, the personal trainer, I, I have especially been doing it. But yeah. the thing is that I just have this kind of personality where every now and again, I will go off the deep end. So once every 10 days, so I'll be good nine days. And then the 10th day, I'm just going to go bad. Right. So for 10 days, I'll have, it'll all be really good. And then I'll go bad for so for nine days, and then for the tenth day, I'll go bad, and then everything will go haywire. So basically, <laughs> so on the tenth day, he dro- drank himself into the stupor, <laughs> right? <laughs> and fell in and what I need right. to do is to be cons- is to just be really consistent about it. But when I'm when I'm good, and I'm 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 just doing well and, and eating the right stuff, my blood sugar tends to be around one twenty in the morning, which is uh-huh. good, right? One twenty uh-huh. is great, right? When I'm bad, it can be one eighty. So. And that's, what, that's and how bad is that in terms of the degrees of badness? Well, I mean, when I when I went in because I didn't really, I hadn't been checking anything, I hadn't been monitoring anything. I think I was. It was three fifty. Holy smoke! That sounds right. that sounds high. Yeah, that's I mean, I really so that was that high. Means, yeah, that doesn't sound good. You can go really high. You can go to like eight hundred or something and and still be alive, kind of thing. But <laughs> you still have a heartbeat. Okay. <laughs> but but three. But then, fi- but then you're on an episode of House. But like my my basic blood sugar was like three fifty at that time. But now I I just eat way less carbs. Okay. Right. I mean, even even when I'm being really bad, I'm always thinking how you know how do you is this a really yeah carbs. exactly yeah. Interesting. Huh. Now, yeah, because one thing you were talking about how is how the working out is offsetting it or whatever. I mean, it's the funny thing is about working out. If you do work out regularly, it's kind of a cure all. I mean, yeah, it, it can only do so much. But I mean, if you work out really hard, you you, can, you you have a higher slop factor, right? Like you can eat worse food. You can do, you know, yeah. You basically you can eat worse. But if yeah. you work out hard enough, it just kind of burns through it. You know, I mean, twenty minutes a day is going to burn through it. But if you do like a two hour you know, well, high boxing she, workout or something, or rowing workout. I mean, you'll burn through. She, okay, so she's doing two. Uh, she's working on me and with me in two ways right now. So one of them is the muscle stuff, uh-huh. right? And then, well, I guess three ways because she's she's basically doing the nutrition thing. She says that nutrition is seventy percent of this. And I, I've, I haven't been good, but I swear when it comes to the new year, I'm going to be so much better. <laughs> and for any listener who's listening this to the show. Great. Was, this is going to lead into a good new to- a next topic, but so go right. on. Any listener who's listening to the show will go, yeah, yeah, Justin, you've said that for the last three years on this podcast and, you, and nothing's changed. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. That's probably true. But the other thing that she's doing is she, like, you know how my posture isn't great, right? Mm-hmm. 
she's actually she's kind of working on muscles in my neck and back to like straighten out my posture and right. it is unbelievably painful unbelievably painful actually she's just doing it for fun I told her I actually pay a little extra no I think I could imagine like, that you can actually just do a little, introduce a little but, torture but technique just for fun I've kind of started walking a bit straighter and, and just feeling a bit taller well you're probably thinking if I walk straighter she won't hurt me no no that's not possible no you're not thinking like no. I, I just gotta stand up straight for a week or two and she'll lay off the right. thing well, oh you know we so need to do that show or some kind of show that says this is what texting is about yeah, you know, um, I was thinking what we could do, if you want, is we can, every show or two for right now, we could just do pick up one or two things and just kind of do a little five minutes. Synopsis. Like a retrospective? Yeah, just on, you know, a couple things, you know, and then we can maybe gather them up and put them in one show. Is that what a few, some people had said that on the thread? I think some people um, misunderstood, or either they took you literally when you said we should go through every show and do a review. I don't think we should go through 200 shows and be like, this is what we talked about in the show. That would not be interesting. But if we picked up the 10 or so primary topics that we have covered in the show that are things, you know, uh, projects we've been working, that we've worked on or whatever, those might be fun to, to sort of summarize, you know. But like Matt S. Is said on the, on the comments, he's saying you wouldn't need to go into Swarm or you wouldn't need to go into Jason Stolen's screenplay. Because but those wouldn't be bad to go into. No, it's they're true. Kind of they're, they're kind of interesting, and and they they may crop up again at some stage in the future. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, I wouldn't spend more than like uh, five minutes on them, maybe. Yeah. But five to seven minutes or something. But I don't know. I think those wouldn't be bad. But yeah. it doesn't have to be a completely dead topic to not be worth talking about. Um, but anyway, it's just it's a judgment call. We could just kind of experiment. But I don't know. We'll see how like today's. Uh, discussion go if we have some openings maybe we go into oh I, I do have something to talk to you about I bought back Plugio you bought back Plugio yeah okay so you know the deal that I cut with company 52 alright yeah so that deal was basically they own 30% of Plugio and they get 70% rev share right well obviously nothing's happened with Plugio but it's it's kind of been bugging me to not own it and if I was to really start focusing on it and grow it, it would be kind of just be annoying to have to give 70% of the revenue away. That worked well when it, when I was going to work with company 52 and get, you know, tightly involved with them and help kind of fund their business kind of thing. Right. That was what, that was the, the ambition of that deal. Anyway, so I managed to get out of that deal, but I, I needed to spend $12,000. It's not bad. So how much do you think they made off a rev share while the deal was uh, not a huge amount. Not a huge amount. Um, from from revenue share, probably just like five hundred bucks or something. That's it. Yeah. I mean, five hundred dollars for the life of the deal. Yeah. So, how much you said you paid them twelve grand? I I paid twelve thousand to get out of the deal. So that was a good deal for them, and at least based on the revenue. Uh, yeah. And yeah. They probably put a lot more than twelve thousand dollars of effort into it. I think well. so. Yeah. But seeing as how it wasn't growing, it was probably a good way to save. Like the funny thing about the deal is, it didn't really do anything for either of us. Like the, the only like. I basically worked on Plugio and did all of the refactoring and did, you know, 90% of what was done. Uh-huh. They did the design and um, some help sites and a few things like that. But really, it was kind of me doing the bulk of the work. I see. And they would do, uh, but, but obviously, awesome design from Company 52. And Michael did some great stuff with the help site and things like that. But weren't they paying you, and you did while you're working on it? Well, yes, but uh, for, for for a small amount of time, they were paying me while I was working on it. Um, but also, I was working for some of their clients as well. 
Okay. So, so it was it was probably overall an economic loss for them, but not but a no, severe. No, it was definitely a loss for them. But it was yeah. a severe economic yeah. loss. But then it would be an economic loss for you because if you measured all the hours that you put into it, you could have been billing, it's been an economic loss. Well, I, like I said, there was, I guess there was like, I can't remember exactly how many months I was working purely on Plugio and they were paying me. But um, I think it was like four months maybe. Okay. So that's pretty good, right? But uh, Pretty good, what do you mean? It's, it's good to be working on Blogio and being paid for it. Sure. So yeah. good for you and not good for them. Right. Not good for them. But but the deal was good for them. They were, there was a 70% upside. If it had worked if out. If it had worked out. So, right. so it's not like they were just paying me for nothing. So we tried to structure a deal that I guess they were taking the risk up front by paying me to work for them. And I was taking the risk on the back end to say, if it was good, they would get 70% of revenue. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if you recall, we had a couple of long offline conversations about how you should structure a deal with Plugio. Yeah. I'm oh, sorry. With Company 52 in regards to Plugio in regards to day was it day pay? Day pay? Is that yeah, the other project. And yeah. Other stuff. And, yeah. And and just in and then company fifty two in general. And what I kept trying to convince you of is that you want to make the simplest possible deal because things don't work out, you don't want things to be too complicated to get out of. It's like the, one of my favorite Murphy's Laws is that most things are easier to get into than out of. Mm-hmm. And uh, I found that to be very true in business and uh, partnerships. And so you, if you do get into something, try and make it so that it's not overly complex. Otherwise, you can't get out of it or it takes longer to get out or than, you, than, you, than it should have taken or it requires a lot of money to get out of it. So the fact that you can pay $12,000 and kind of close up, they at least were able to recruit some cash probably when they need it. sounds like they need the money now. Right. You were able to get out and and just own the whole thing in its entirety. So that was actually good. I'm glad that it ended up being a relatively simple, simply structured deal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't wasn't too complex. And and I feel better about owning it again now because I'm more, I guess, inspired to rethink it you know what how to move it forward if possible i mean i know we've kind of said that i shouldn't shouldn't what that i shouldn't move forward with plug i've tried so many different things it's time to just move on to something different but i still somewhere in the back of my head i think there's some possibility well i mean you know i I think with a project like this if you feel inspired and you feel like there's something that you can do then do it you know i mean it does make money it hasn't really grown yeah. much it's like a boulder you're trying to push up a hill and it's just not budging <laughs> but you know maybe it just requires the right kind of push or the, you know maybe there's just a few pebbles that you need to move from the from under the boulder that you can move it again i mean yeah um you know i don't know and i, I wouldn't um you know especially if you're feeling inspired right because when I, I think when we were, I, we were talking about it i think you i don't think you were completely depressed but you weren't inspired you were just kind of blah yeah, and that's why I was like, okay, well, if you're not if you're not passionate, it's not moving, it does not make any progress. Why don't you just make it a cash cow? Just have it just generate money, put minimal time into it, and then just work on something else. Yeah, you know. So, but I, you know, you're fired, you're excited about it, so give it another shot. I'm not, I wouldn't say excited. So you're less than excited, <laughs> more than blah. Where are you? Yeah, I'm like, I have some ideas on how to listening to Rob talking about Hittail. You know, I don't think I've explored the whole pay to acquire customers thing enough. That's the part that I don't think I've explored. Enough. Well, I mean, look at Buffer. I just did you, did you watch the Mixergy interview? I didn't check it out. No, they're in a million dollar run rate. Yeah, they're making a million dollars a year 
on a product that is a fraction of what your product is. Yeah. Opalidios. And you could clearly sort of like learn from them, redirect Plugio to be something slightly different. I mean, clearly Buffer is working. And they did some things that um, that you didn't do or they executed better on them. And primarily, they really, really did a good job of, of PR and marketing. And not inward bound marketing, not like, not like funnel conversion stuff. Although yeah. they did talk about doing some stuff. But they did lots of content marketing. They wrote lots of blog posts. They did guest blog posts, which helped a lot. They um, got in touch with bloggers and, and writers, and they really pushed those um, those avenues, and it, and it paid off in, in, in spades. You know, and we're, I think you did a lot more of these sort of um, you know you, you tried little things. You did a little Reddit ads. You, you wrote a you wrote a you had one or two block blockbuster blog posts, but it wasn't a continual stream uh, marketing ongoing marketing effort over a period of months. Well, actually, I have this blog post that I want to write, probably never write it, but it's in my mind uh, with a title of something like shallow and wide versus deep and narrow. Mm -hmm. And I think that this really explains like this, this whole thing about buffer and plug has really changed my thinking about product development, especially for bootstrappers. Right? So if you think about it, basically I went deep and narrow. So I, I basically just focused on the product and built out lots of features and went very deep with solving the problems, all the different problems related to Twitter. And they just went very shallow and they just solved one problem, but they went wide because they integrated with Android, they integrated with iPhone, they integrated with all the browsers, they integrated with all sorts of websites. And they just, they just basically, because they went so shallow on the product, they had, think about how much resource you have available to yourself. So they had a lot of resource available for marketing because I went so deep I had barely any resource available for marketing because I was dealing with product. I was dealing with uh, a complicated, you know, 40,000 line code base kind of thing. I was dealing with customers and feature requests and all that aspect. So it's just so much more to deal with when you have more product. And so I think that you, for example, the new product that you're building, I don't know whether you're going to talk about it this show, but anyway, that is the perfect example of shallow and wide because it's just a real simple product. It's not going to be a big code base. And then you can do lots of different integrations with it, integrate, integrate it to the nth degree, put it into browsers and all sorts of stuff. And then that is how to make a business work as a bootstrapper. I'm not saying that deep and deep and narrow can't work like Hootsuite is that right. But you need funding. I think that to, to do like a really deep and complex product, that's where you need the funding. You need the 1 million in the bank kind of thing or 500,000. Um, but to bootstrap if shallow and very simple I I don't know if I agree entirely so here's what I'd say I think you could do either I think you could I think you just have to kind of commit to one or the other I think you were kind of a little of both and you know you would you, you you know you're like well I'm trying you're like I'm competing with Hootsuite like Hootsuite was always in your mind you're like I'm competing with Hootsuite but I'm not I can't compete with Hootsuite they're too big I, Hootsuite you know was always there so you're like well they can do all these features and so it was sort of this gravitational attraction that was pulling you towards them because that was the best example of a successful competitor in your space. Um, so in some senses you were like, well, I, I'm not going to compete with them because I don't have the, you know, the resources, but you were doing that to a degree. Um, I think as rapid as you can develop, if you, if you had just sort of stayed on Plugio and, and written code and built these features and, you know, you weren't doing swarm or you weren't doing, you know, any other, things you were doing, you just stayed focused on Plugio, you could have built that stuff out. I don't, I, I think when you take somebody who's an extremely 
competent and efficient full stack developer like yourself, you can do a lot of damage if you just did it. I mean, I look at some of the projects you've done, and it's just like six weeks part-time, and it's just amazing what happens. So it's like if you had done that for like a year, you could have done most of that stuff if you wanted to. I don't think you need a team of people. I, I mean, I, I look at these teams sometimes, and I feel like it's not like you get twice the amount of work done when you get two people, or three times work with three people. It's not even close to linear. And, and I think because of the overhead and communication and collaboration and synchronization and, and just getting people up to speed, it's just like you can have seven or eight people, and, and it might be like twice as productive as one. I, I guess what I'm saying is, if you think if you think of a project like Plugio or like Buffer mm-hmm. or like Epic Night, those projects have a total surface area yeah. of what you're doing on them. And so, if you look at the surface area split of how I worked Plugio, I did eighty percent development and twenty percent marketing. But if you look at the surface area split of Buffer, they did eighty percent marketing and twenty percent development. That's kind of what I'm saying about deep and, sh- uh, deep and narrow versus shallow and wide. Yeah, I think you should listen to the interview. I don't know if that's the right split or not. Um, if they, if you really put hour for hour, if it would have been 80-20. I mean, I just think they were consistently putting effort into that engine. Where yeah. You were kind of sporadic. Right. Like, I'm doing right ads. It was like a few days of working on it, and then you just kind of worked, and then you're like, I'm done. And then like... Two months would go by, and you're like, "Oh, I'm going to hire this person. They're going to write some blog posts, and then ah, you know, then ah, and I, you know, you just kind of do these sort of just abrupt, sudden experiments. And um, I don't know. I mean, not, maybe it's because none of them really worked that well, so you couldn't con- convince yourself to spend a lot of effort in, which just makes sense. Yeah, but if you think about it, I mean, if I was logically sensible about it, I would do an experiment every day for a year. You know, I mean. I guess just because of lack of enthusiasm, I I just didn't, right? And I think it's it. I don't want to pick on you or anything, but it seems like it's part of your personality that you have a <laughs> you're kind of impatient with things. <laughs> if they work, if it doesn't work, you get kind of like this is you're off quickly, right? Well, you know, and obviously it's not like we have the like buffer guys sit here and have a deep, you know, uh, conversation about exactly what they did and how long it took to convince themselves that something was going to work. But it sounds like. Their content strategy of just writing lots of blog posts, not necessarily about Buffer, not about how one would use Buffer or how user, how Twitter is a big deal. They would just talk about things that were tangentially related. Startup, yeah, it's writing software, whatever. And they, for whatever reason, they believe that writing a lot of uh, blog posts of that nature, it would work. And they did it. And they just kept doing it. All right. So you may, you may notice an audio change right now. That's because I had the wrong mic pressed on this uh, little Zoom thing. Well, anyway, so uh, the, to finish off what I was saying, the the buffer guys, for whatever reason, were able to convince themselves that a a persistent and high quality content marketing effort would work. Yeah, and that's what they did, and it did pay off. And maybe they were willing to work at it for enough time to before they were before they needed the evidence before they required the evidence to convince themselves it's working. I mean, obviously, if they had spent three months, you know, writing blog posts and writing guest blog posts and and contacting journalists to get coverage, if that hadn't worked, they would have just tried something else. I mean, they tried the Reddit ads or they would have tried something, um, some of the things that you tried. But 
they were, they definitely put a lot of, of um, sort of fuel on that fire. I think you're very right that that patience is is required. It's like it's a very real important feature of being an entrepreneur. You have to have a certain amount of conviction. I mean, I think there there's sort of two um, there's two problems that entrepreneurs can suffer from very easily uh, are the two sides of the same coin, which is one is that they have this sort of blind optimism or belief in something without any evidence. And the whole idea of val- of product market, of market validation or product validation or um, testing hypotheses and A-B testing has been um, to ameliorate that problem, right? Yeah. And and so people have been, that's been drilled in people's heads over the past, I don't know, two or three years, right? Test everything, test all your assumptions, validate, 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 test, which makes sense. Now, the other side of the issue is that you have to have some conviction. Sometimes it takes more than a day of, of um, A-B testing to know whether something's going to work. Sometimes it takes months mm-hmm. of, of hard, persistent work before you're going to get any results. You're going to know anything. And um, I think that's one thing that people have to watch out for. If they have no conviction that they can't look at something and say, okay, based on first principles, this should work. And, but also understanding how things work, how, you know, so for instance, in contact market, content marketing, it's not going to work. You're not going to write one blog post and all of a sudden you get 20 signups. That's not what it's about. It's about making your product, your brand, persistent people's brains. They just associate it. So when people think of a problem, like, oh yeah, there's a company that called X, Y, and Z that does that. It's like continual on mass marketing. Yeah. And that's what marketing is. I mean, so I don't know. I mean, this is a complicated thing. I think there's other things they probably did or didn't do, or you did or didn't do, and probably can't, we can't break it down to that one thing. Well, but, but I think, you know. I think it's a combination of two things. I mean, it's a combination of the continual mar- content marketing that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, did I say two things or a few things? It's a combination. It doesn't matter. It's a combination of a few you're things. You're going to list more than one. Okay. <laughs> the, yeah. The, the continual content marketing. Okay. That's huge. But then integration. So they, because it was a very simple product, they could integrate it into Firefox. They could integrate it into Safari, integrate it into iPhone, because it's just this one simple thing that right. we're integrating in all the different places. Imagine trying to integrate, like imagine creating an iPhone app out of Plugio. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's going to be six months work. Yeah. Right. But with Buffer, because it's once, that's what I mean about uh, deep and narrow versus shallow and wide. It's, it's just this small thing. So you can create an iPhone app out of that. That's not going to take, this is going to take like a week, maybe a couple of weeks. And then you can create an Android app and you can integrate it into FreshBooks and you can integrate in all these different things because it's just this simple thing. But Plugio, you can't do that. Yeah. Well, because it's, a, I think that's true. I think that's definitely true. Um, it would have been much easier to, you could have done that. All those you could have done all those integrations yourself. Yeah, without exactly. A problem. Um, but not for such a big code base. I think you could have, if you had said, all right, well, the iPhone app does a lot. It doesn't do every single thing that the web app does, but it does the core sixty or seventy percent. You know, you could have done things like that. But I think it was a big enough project that it made you not want to do it. Yeah, exactly. Right? I mean, you could have done it. It's if, I, if, I, if I showed up to your door with a gun and said, do this, or I'm going to shoot you in the foot. Yeah, I could have done it. You could it. have done it. I but said, it, you got three months to do these things. You it's like it. climbing Everest or something. It's you, like, you could have done it. I could have. Now, but there's also a part of your brain where you're always talking about, you, you, you kind of ask that. You're like, well, in one sense, I'm really like, I like bootstrapping and I'm all about bootstrapping. I want to interview bootstrappers and stuff. But there's also a part of you like, well, I kind of, I, I, I would like to have resources and I'd like to have a team and, and all that. So there's <laughs> that, that, that other, it's like that other part of your brain. Right? Yeah. And sometimes you go there. And so I think 
you start thinking about that instead of so when you start thinking about a lot of work like that, you immediately start going, well, we need to raise funding. We need to raise funding and go build a team. So you stop working on it and you start thinking about writing business plans or getting on angel list and raising money. So you don't sit there and go screw it. All right, how can I by myself as Justin Vincent with maybe I could fit in four hours a day, maybe in total I'll work on the weekend, maybe I can get 30 hours a week on this thing. How can I get full integration of the core features of, of Plekio? But it was difficult because you had the mental block of A, it's a hell of a lot of work and B, maybe I should get funding. Maybe I need a team. Right. Instead of just committing and say, that's just not possible. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to think about that. I'm just going to build it. Whereas the buffer guys are like, well, we don't really need a team to do this. It's right. so easy. It's like, oh, I need seven guys to like create an iPhone thing that schedules my tweets. Yeah. Do that on the weekend. That's you know, right. At least they prototype. And the it. irony is, is because they had the content marketing and because they had this simple thing that they integrated into all these different places, then they got a lot of expert. And the third thing, and this is also just as important, is that it's so easy to explain what it is. Yes. It just does this one thing, right? Well, they have a great name. And the name's so, so aligned, so well aligned, right? So it's it all hangs together. Oh, right? I don't think Plugio is a bad name, it, it, but it would need to have been like a full... I think for Plugio to really make sense, it sort of like plugs into all of the social media. All of the that's. social media, right. If it only plugs into Twitter, it just doesn't make as much sense to people. Brain doesn't, in the brain, it doesn't explain things in the right. brain. Right, well, so it, it plugs into Facebook and LinkedIn, but it just kind of posts there. It doesn't read the content. Yeah, I, I would say that Prilogy was a pretty good. I, I give it a pretty good. Yeah. On, in terms of rating, like its name versus, you know, associating it with something in your brain, being memorable, all that sorts of th- stuff. But Buffer is an A. But explaining it to people, like explaining the concept. Yeah, and that it. too. Right. So basically, so you say, what does this thing do? Well, you plug in RSS feeds. You grow your friend. You you grow your friend by plugging in search agents. You have a Twitter client. You can schedule stuff on a on a, a drip feed. Like it's all those things, and people are like, "Well, what, what, wait, wait, what, what, what?" And but with Buffer, you're like, "Hmm, it lets you queue up tweets." That's it. Pretty simple, right? So it's just an easier sell. So there's so many different reasons why I think doing that, like what you're doing on your current project, is huge. I mean, if I was going to work on a new project, I would definitely choose something that was doing one thing well. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Now, another thing I, I want to just sort of make sure is clear is that, I mean, I think you did a great job with Plugio, right? I mean, the vast majority of people who create little side projects or projects, they don't do anything. I mean, the reason that the people we interview are the small select few people who actually achieve escape velocity and make more than a couple thousand dollars a month. Mm-hmm. So the fact that you got it up making four grand a month, is really good. It's a testament. It was, it was, it was very impressive. And uh, so I, I give it to you and I don't mean to be like saying that you're a failure or anything. It's just like, okay, you hit a, you hit a siddle, a single, they yeah. get a triple. Yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe yeah. I would call it a home run. Instagram's a home run. I mean, maybe not Instagram, but you know, I, you know, right now it's at least a triple. It might be a home run in a couple of years. But, um, you know, and it's just sort of like compare and contrast. Okay, so what they do differently that made it so it wasn't a single, that it was a triple. Right. You know, and for people who don't watch, it's a baseball analogy for anybody who's not an American. Yeah. You know. I um, mean, if Flogio had had funding, I think it could have been a different story. Because it would have had the results to do, because then I would have built an iPhone app and I would have done all these different things. Yeah, I just think you were, I think your brain is kind of split between those two worlds and, it, and that kind of hurt you. Yeah. You kind of kept going, you vacillated back and forth. I mean, we didn't talk about the show it, that much, but it, offline, you you definitely played with the idea of raising funding with it at least yeah. once. And it was always in the back of your mind as something that would be, you might want to do and et cetera, et cetera. But one so. thing that I think is kind of huge, I, I don't necessarily think that Plugio, I mean, I don't know, maybe Plugio will make some money in the future. But what I think is really huge is to have done it and done 
case studies, customer interviews, uh, funnel conversion, uh, building it up, scaling it, load balancing it. Like with Plugio, what I've actually done is seen every side of a business. Like it's 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 a micro business. It's not, it's not Facebook or something. But I've seen every side of the business, which is which is kind of a big deal because if I eventually do end up working on a business that is good, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, is more successful, at least I will have had a lot of touch points on all different aspects of building the business. I think that's... I agree. I'm not, I, I, you know, I, I think Plugio is is by no means a failure. Again, I again, I give you very high marks for what you're able to achieve. So oh, don't thanks. anywhere listeners don't don't please don't take it that I'm you know, I think Justin failed or whatever because well, it's still you know, I don't I don't have a plug year right now giving me four grand a month. I mean so game I'm not over. Saying, game yeah, not game over. Not, I mean because on. I've just I've just bought the rights back. So you know yeah. something well, they're, else could happen. They're they're just a little they you know they were just like all right well you you know they're they're a uh, they got out ahead of you. Okay what did they do? Learn from them. Mm-hmm. I mean you could you could spin off a smaller version of Plugio that's a direct pl- a buffer. Mm, I would never I wouldn't want to do that. Like I think I don't I don't think that's the direction I would want to go. In. I'm just saying that's for yeah. an example. I yeah. mean, there's a lot of different things you could try. Yeah. But um, yeah, game not over. It works right now. It's got 100 people coming to the site. They're converting, okay. right? I just need to find ways of getting people to the site. That's the next piece. Yeah. And then we don't need to talk about it anymore, but that's the next piece. And I think one of the key the key ways you get people to the site, aside from different marketing strategies, is just making an awesome product. Mm-hmm. And if the product is awesome, and not in the sense that it's like... If there's anything, there's any such thing as objectively awesome, but people who use it just can't help but tell their they people. They get used to it. Yeah, they get used out of it. But, but they see, can't But they can't help but tell their people, like, you got to well, use this thing. The, that's the problem. Plugio is an anti-marketing campaign because the people who use it don't want to tell people about it because it they get a lot of leverage out of it. So literally, people have emailed me and said, I am not telling anyone about this because it's my secrets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I've had a lot of emails like that from customers. Mm-hmm. So it's a bit like an anti-marketing thing because... Or anti-word of mouth marketing. But yeah, anti-word of mouth because people don't want people to know that they're automating their Twitter account. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that it, it leverages that. So yeah. right, right. So that's an interesting... Well, that's answer. different from Buffer because Buffer yeah. just scheduling tweets exactly. whereas you auto-follow yeah. and, and, and you kind of use it to pull links well, It doesn't auto-follow. No, it doesn't. It doesn't, it doesn't auto-follow, but it suggests friends. It doesn't break Twitter's terms of service in any way. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, so... Well, anyway, um, why don't we... Uh, let's see, a couple of directions we could go in. Um, why don't... Actually, so why don't we talk about um, App Ignite for a second? I would like to talk about App Ignite because I think that, that that suffers even more from the problem of going deep and narrow than Plugier. Yeah, so I'm going to... I'm going to uh, read a, uh, an email I got about that today. So, um, let's see. Occasionally I get, you know, my, like, troll sort of snarky email. <laughs> right. You know, I, and I, have, I hadn't received one in, like, a month or so, six weeks. So I'm like, wow, things are pretty good. I'm not getting any, <laughs> not getting any troll emails, right? So, um, but today I finally got one. Well, I mean, you can tell me whether you think it's a troll, a trollish email. Okay. Right. Okay, this is from a certain Henry J. Styles. And I looked Henry J. Styles up, and there is not a sign of him on the web. There's no Twitter account, Facebook. There's no LinkedIn. There's no one post entry on a Tumblr blog. <laughs> you know what I mean? Usually somebody who's in the web tech space, they, they may or may not have a public, a really public profile. You know, There's going to be something. There's going to be some half-assed attempt where they set up a Tumblr or, or Twitter account, yeah. and they put a few posts, and they abandon it. And they say, oh, I like, I, I like software. 
Okay. I, I'm learning Rails, and then they kind of abandon, and that's kind of it. So I, I don't even know if this guy is real. It might be one of the same, you know, one person or two or three people who... We regularly email you. Yeah, yeah. So he goes, hi, Jason. I listened to texting. Do you know when is any food being canceled? When is any food being canceled? So my response was, what do you mean canceled? Like, what, like, what does that mean exactly? I wasn't sure. Like, it's like a, I mean, I had a feeling I knew what he meant, but it was kind of, yeah, kind of a weird question. So he goes, he goes, um, well, you were working on App Ignite like mad, couldn't put it down for two seconds because it was the most exciting thing in the world. Then any food came along and you were like a cat chasing a shiny red dot. So you dropped in App Ignite. Then you couldn't stop talking about it, uh, talking about it, any food. We got to get that logo done first, exclamation point, because it was the most exciting thing <laughs> in the world. Then Catalyst came along and you again chased it like a cat going after a laser red dot and you dragged to a slow crawl on any foo. So I'm just wondering how long before something comes along that's new and more exciting than Catalyst and you drop Catalyst. So I wouldn't call that a troll, a full trollosh email. It's not full. I mean, basically... I mean, I've had some pretty nasty ones. That is just brutal truth, is what that email is. And it's painful to read, but it's... Well, it's it's not entirely... um, Actually, I sent it. It was my... No, no, I'm just kidding. kidding. Um, The the, the cause and effects aren't exactly lined up. It would seem they have an effect, but it wasn't direct. So that's why I want to go back and explain. So, yeah, App Ignite, I was extremely excited about it. and worked on it for like two years. Mm -hmm. Um, And we... Guyon, I was working on it with my buddy Guyon, who I've brought up a number of times. Guyon lives in Norway, and we would uh, generally work on it about an hour and a half a day. He would call me 11 o'clock his time after everyone had gone to sleep and yeah. you know, around lunchtime my time. And um, the idea was initially was we wanted to get something out there, right? Something that we definitely could create value. And, you know, I thought, you know, if we could create something that could help us create websites, web applications that would... Yeah, that'd really. be cool. Yeah. Yeah. So as anybody who's ever tried to do anything like this, it's infinitely harder than it seems. Now we made a ton of progress and it actually pretty much worked. <laughs> like the core of it worked pretty well, but um, we were noticing it was a little slow. And this was after like about a year or so, year and a, I can't, let's say about a year. And then I had the idea, it's like, you know, there's so much of the code generation happens on the back end that I thought, you know, let's, um, let's rewrite and have the have the hard work happen client side JavaScript and it just shoots back stuff and and sort of to the servers as a zip file um and then the server kind of expands it and here's your yeah. site yeah that kind of a thing and uh, it, we got that working about ninety five percent but it took so much work it wasn't like a like a four to six week thing it was like um. It turned out to be like probably five months, six months. That in conjunction with, I think you and I started a little work on Anyfu. So Anyfu impinged on my energy a little bit, but more had to do with just work on an Uber. Yeah. Mostly Uber. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't that Anyfu killed Epignite. It wasn't that I lost enthusiasm as that I felt like I was starting to worry that we were not going to be able to finish it in any reasonable amount of time. Because every time you got close to get to, to finishing it, like the yardstick changed. There was this extra bit that you had to do. Yeah. And I just said, you know, at what point am I going to, if I going to just, I mean, because you never know, is it really right around the corner? Can we get something out well, in we, six weeks or is it, or is it really going to be another year? Well, then we started brainstorming. What could be the minimum viable product? 
Yeah, none of those things sounded all that appealing. They didn't sound interesting. It just didn't sound that interesting. And I just sort of, you know, there. I have pretty good staying power, but two years, two plus years working on it, and without having anything that could release, finally, I just felt like this was probably not the best use of my time. Well, I, I want to jump in about Anifu and say... Oh, I'm not done. Let me... Can I... Okay, I yeah, go on, yeah. We'll, we'll finish on Anifu. Okay, so, sure. Um, and, but the, you know, the, so the other thing is that I always thought, okay, worst case scenario, I will be able to leverage some value out of this. I can use it myself. Yeah. Which I have been able to. So I'm not saying that that rationalizes the project itself because it doesn't. It's probably 10 cents on the dollar <laughs> at most. Yeah. But um, it is pretty powerful framework for me. I can, I can launch things pretty quickly. Um, you know, it's launched essentially web applications. A lot of stuff is kind of generated for me and I don't have to, you know, spend nearly as much time coding all that crap up. The other thing is that one of the reasons I started thinking that maybe this wasn't a good thing wasn't just because it could take more time than we thought. It could, ten, it could, it could be a lot more work. Um, and then I thought maybe we could probably launch simpler, a simpler products much more quickly that could probably make as much or more money. And then you start thinking like, why are we doing this? Are we doing this to prove that we can write the most complicated software? Are we trying to um, build um, something? We build a financial foundation for our families, right? I mean, my my idea was like, I want to work on something cool. I want to solve an interesting problem. I would like to that I can build a business around that 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 uh, I could grow into something more than just me working on part time. But it, a lot of it was like, you know, I have wife and kids, right? I mean, I can't just work on some idiosyncratic problem because it it's interesting to me i ha it has to be more than I, I, it can be both but it has to be able to check the box of like is this helping my family is this helping make money for my so that i can pay for my kids education or that we can get a house with a yard or so we can have you know retirement you know <laughs> you know fund i mean whatever the um the other issue though was that I just realized that even because I, I started running a very limited beta test with like six or seven, I think listeners, primarily were listeners mm -hmm. and two or three of them used it. And they were like, yeah, it seemed like they like, this is actually pretty cool. i got a few bugs here. If you could fix this, but they, they kind of got it and it seemed pretty cool even in its limited state. But the problem was it was going to be a bitch to support. It was so complicated and people are always going to want to do more with it than it will do natively where they don't have to jump in and change stuff that it would just, it would require a lot of supports, which does not make for a great side project. Great side projects are things that are fairly stable, fairly easy to support so that you can reply to somebody later on that evening or the next day and they're not their business isn't grinding to all well, like blogio it's like it's a maximum of half an hour half an hour emailing for me per day yeah but something like any uh, like app ignite someone could say hey you know what we had our site up and running and i i you know after this last update i regenerate it and now nothing will work we can't get any of our orders through everything's grinds to a halt and well, they're to gonna have, be pissed to have people's whole businesses based on your infrastructure i mean that's a pretty heady responsibility yeah and and, and and to probably to be honest i mean that probably wouldn't be the case initially but people could build things that they care about yeah and uh it would be it would be hell to support and i just got that sense so those are all the things there was a lot of factors but it wasn't if, just if that like, wasn't the case to begin with then it wouldn't make any money because you make money by building something that people make money with so it would have to be serious projects for them 
like people aren't just going to pay you for hobby, a hobby right. site. So it would transition to that re- yeah. soon enough. Yeah. So uh, I mean, it was it was all those things, right? Like it just it just went on too long. Like my what they call it, like something I brought up before is like your enthusiasm half life. Yeah. Like you want to work on a project, you want to get a project out soon enough so that you can start making money off it before your enthusiasm falls off. Some people the enthusiasm six weeks. Like my buddy uh, Pat Maddox, who's a big in the Rails community, he's always working on projects, and I think he has a relatively short enthusiasm half light and i'm always like pat dude get get that thing in a bait in six weeks you can't do six months you get bored when we want the next cool problem but if it starts making a thousand dollars for a month you're not going to want to abandon it because it's real money yeah i have a pretty long enthusiasm half-life but even i have a limit you know two years and then you start you know and then when other things come up like you know i have other ideas that could be make more money sooner um i see problems with this like support are, this is this going to be a support night are we, are we ever going to be able to support this um and because it's going to be so support heavy, is it just going to be me? Because Guyon is in, and he's lives in Norway, and he has a full time job, and he doesn't really necessarily want to just work at home. So just like a lot of things, I started to think, ah, yeah. So that's it. So it's not such a simple answer. Like, oh, I started working at Anyfu, and I just dumped Apignet because I got bored right. of it. Like that, oh, really is an oversimplification and not a, probably a very accurate. So you want to talk about Anyfu? Well, I want to say that it's not true to say that Anyfu wasn't complete and isn't out the door. I mean, Anyfu is complete. It is out the door. It's done. 20, over twenty thousand dollars worth of revenue. Um, it's a it's a real thing, um, but it's got it's kind of got to that place that Plugio got to when we had that heart to heart conversation with Gabriel Weinberg. It's like that place where we need to we we've it's actually proven it's worked and we're we're kind of crazy to not focus on it in some ways. Like, but we need to find a way to re engage with it, and it it has the same like. A very similar problem to Blogio. It needs to be scaled. It needs to be scaled from an outreach team point of view to grow the experts. And then it needs to be scaled from a marketing point of view. Okay, well, so then why uh, move into Catalyst then? Well, Catalyst isn't what isn't isn't meant to be a money-making project. It's right. just something I do for my do it's just something I do for Colby. Yeah. And as a side effect, I do for these other kids. Okay. Which I, I like I like helping other kids too. Just like you know, I coach his AYSO soccer team. Okay. You know, I'm not doing the AY. I don't coach his under eight soccer team as a replacement for Epic Night, right? It's not. Now, it has taken up a little bit of my mind space in terms of stuff, of writing some code. I haven't written that much on it, but I just, I'm trying to get a few basic things working so that we can make Catalyst more efficient. Yeah. Um, it's taken up more bandwidth on the show because it's just a fun thing to think and talk about. At least, at least it was fun for me to think and talk about it. Yeah. And I think people liked hearing about it. Yeah. It's a good story. I mean, um, I but it isn't, it isn't a startup project. It isn't something I'm trying to make money with, but it is something that did require some coding. As you and I, when we solve problems, we tend to figure out how can I solve this with code? Yeah. Okay, so then you've got a new project which you've been working on. Now, I'm guessing that the main reason why you're working on that is because it's something you can do on your own. And it's like you it's like the antidote to the Enivu problem. Yeah, you know, it was funny. You, you it was I was thinking about like why did I want to do this? So I had this idea about 8 months ago or a year ago. Are you uh, going to speak I'm about I'm not going to talk about okay. what it is specifically. Yeah. All I'll say is it's aimed at uh businesses and um it's going to be kind of a lightweight software to solution and i think it'll be i think it has real potential so here are the reasons that i thought of, I, I wanted to do it so i thought about eight months ago i came up with sort of a snarky name for it so the snarky name sometimes you don't have a good name or brand for something it's hard to take it seriously right, yeah. you don't get too motivated about it and, and nothing ever occurred to me 
And then I think a couple things happened. One, you know, it was just, I was, when I was talking to um, Rob about Drip, and I got really excited about Drip Form, like this yeah. is going to work. And I saw how successful he was with Hittail. You know, it's just another existence proof. It's right and happening in front of my face. Yeah. I mean, like, I could do, I could build Drip. You could, I could do build that. something like Drip. Yeah. You know, I'm not in a weekend, not in a week, but it's a hell, it's orders of magnitude less difficult than uh, Appignite. And it's a yeah. lot less difficult than any foo. Any foo being primarily a recruiting experts problem. Which but I don't think the issue is building something for us. I don't think that's the problem. No, but it's part of it, right? It's getting. I mean, it's, like, you, it's market. It's marketing. Basically, is our whole challenge: marketing, getting customers, and getting revenue. Yeah, I, I think it's all there. I mean, yeah, it's building something really good, yeah. and then do the marketing. I mean, I think. Well, anyway, the, so let, let me. I'll tell you the whole story. Yeah. Okay, so the, the whole reasoning. So, I was motivated. By that, part of me started thinking like, ah, you know, I should just, you know, any foo is kind of, um, is the thing that Justin and I do together, mm-hmm. right? It's our thing and it's sort of, and it's this ongoing frustration because <laughs> we can't seem to get it going and we can't agree who's going to do what or we do agree and then nothing happens. And so it's just, it's frustrating. And I was actively thinking it's frustrating. I was just sitting there. I, I wasn't, my itch wasn't being scratched. I stopped working at Epic Night, really wasn't doing anything with any foo technically. Mm-hmm. And uh, I saw Rob and I said, you know, I'm watching this happen in slow motion. I'm trying to get him to let me invest more jokingly than yeah. serious. So people who are emailing me are like, well, you know, he doesn't need your money. Why are you? I'm like, <laughs> I know he doesn't need my money. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just, it's part of it's just a way to compliment him. But I think he's, right. I'm supremely confident that he's going to succeed. If he would take my money, I'd love it, but I don't expect <laughs> him to do and I don't need him to. But, um, but I saw that. And then I saw, then when you were talking about, um, building uh i think you were building when you're working on uh, skyboard i was working on skyboard yeah and you're working on double dollar and you're just like i'm just having so much work and fun working on something that's all mine you know (laughs) you know which in parliament like i don't have to fight with you about it (laughs) (laughs) which i totally got right i didn't make offense to it i'm like yeah that is nice you can just do it like you don't have to ask someone's permission you don't have to convince somebody else you don't have to not fight with them we don't you never fight we just would kind of have like an a very long discussion trying to figure out what to do and it's just exhausting, right? It's like, if I want to go to somebody to eat, I can just go get somebody to eat. If I have someone who we're always disagreeing where to eat, it's just like, it's yeah. exhausting, right? So, you know, I, um, I, and so that was sticking to my mind, like, yeah, that is really nice just to do something on your own, right? And so then I thought, you know, and so I, I think those things were in my head, just the fun of just, just it got me excited about just building something on my own, something simple, you know? And, uh, and then I saw, you know, I saw Drip, and I, I saw Hittail succeeding, and I was just like, you know, I should just... And I, that idea thought popped in my head again. I'm like, that is a good idea. Like, I think this would work. should do it. And then I woke up one morning, and I the, the, the name popped in my head. <laughs> like, I had it right there. I'm like, that is a great name. You just needed the name. And then I found the domain. Yeah. And it was expiring, and luckily, I was able to... Um, and I was able to get... Uh, or just say, John Humphrey was nice enough to help me um, acquire the domain, which he did with his sort of domain power tools. And uh, so I got the domain and the name, and I'm like, you know, I could just build this thing up and, and get it going. And it's the kind of thing that, like, once you get it built, you know, then it's like, all right, let's give it a shot. And, and then I went and I talked to about six or seven people randomly, not in, not like in a concerted validation effort, like Rob told me with Drip, like he went and talked to like 10 um, friends of his who were entrepreneurs who had businesses and said, hey, would you 
use this? And would you pay X amount of dollars a month? They're like, yeah, absolutely. And so that yeah. validated. I just told, I just, oh yeah, this is a new thing I'm thinking about. And they're like, oh, I mean, we would totally use that. Well, including absolutely. me. I said, yeah, yeah I could do that. I, I wasn't even thinking about you. But yeah, everyone I talked to, <laughs> bar except for one or two people, uh, because they already had some other kind of solution that better fit their organization or they were just kind of, you know, used to. They were like, yeah, man, I totally would use that. Yeah. We would totally pay for that. So I'm like, okay. I mean, let's make it. that was, that's like a pretty high hit rate. I'm not even, I'm not even, I didn't even solicit people. And I'm just like, you know, if I was going to spend, if it was going to be concerted, I mean, a lot of time and effort to build it, I might say, all right, well, I want to, I want to talk to 20 people. So, but I, since I, since I was like, this is pretty easy to build. I just kind of want to build it. And I already, and I've in how seven much have you built now? of the nine people I mentioned to want to, want, want to use it in their company. How much have you built now of it? Um, how much time have you spent on it and how much have you built? Probably spent about, uh, I don't know, maybe 10, 12 hours. Yeah. Here and there, a couple hours here, a couple hours there. And I've got like, you know, one thing I just wanted to fill out was the whole registration system and, um, you know, being able to add additional users and admin privileges and all that, get all that stuff kind of just done. Yeah. You know, just get it done up front. Yeah. Get the boring stuff that has to get done out of the gate. And luckily, you know, though some of that stuff was generated by App Ignite. Mm-hmm. I was able to cut and paste or whatever. Yeah. It was pretty easy in that way. But um, it was also like, this is also sometimes of these sort of uh, salute software solutions that are aimed at businesses. And I don't mean aimed at something like IBM. I mean aimed at, you know, 5, 10, 50, 100 people. I mean, they have a similar way that they register and you add you. You know, it's like, I, 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 there's a template, right? There's yeah, a format. Yeah. Like, all right, yeah. I know how this needs to work. I understand yeah. a ton of time. Like, geez, well, how do I go through this stuff? It's like, okay, I, there's three different web apps I can look at right it's now. It's not like any foo where we had to talk through the whole kind of flow and the scheduling and mock it up and all that kind of stuff. That was exhausting because it was there was nothing we could really co- we could copy or even right. use as inspiration and a lot of it was just like, how should this work? Yeah. And the things that we thought could sort of only were only and they kind of misled us in some ways. You're like, no, actually it doesn't work for us. Yeah. That's a good mistake. So yeah, it was a simpler. So that's where I am. Um I'm not going to put any uh, like timeline on release it by so-and-so. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's just your new thing. It's just fun. It, it allows me to scratch in this. I'm really excited about it. But you know what? Sometimes getting on something like this, it gets me more excited. It gets me more excited about um, things in general. Yeah. I'm more excited about any foo because of this. <laughs> right. Like, what you, it's like sometimes you just need to get in motion. Yeah. And once you're in motion, you can do other things. So I'm excited about the holidays because like, oh, I get some work done on Catalyst. Well, we still, if we can move forward with any food, if we are going to move forward with any food, mm-hmm. I do think we should find some, uh, try and build an outreach team and invest some money. In I it. agree. I think that would be a good thing to do. I agree. I mean, I'd like to, I think it'd be a shame for us to just kind of let it die. Yeah. But I'd rather kill it or do something with it than just zo- make it a zombie for another year. Yeah. Because it's just, it's just sort of, it's just a, it's just sort of frustrating and it's a, it's a money bleed and it's just, why spend, you know, it's always better to like, if something is going to work, just kill it and, and put all your energy into something else. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we'll see. Okay. You know, and, you know, in terms of me, and, and, and one thing is true. I mean, I do a lot of stuff. I probably <laughs> do more than I should, but it's just who I am. You and, definitely do more than you should. And it's like, I, I said, I mean, I, I need to write a blog post post called, uh, uh, and I've, I've started it, but I, I don't have time to finish it because I have stuff to do, <laughs> which is the hour, uh, is uh, Confessions of an Overcommitter. Right. You know, because it's just, you know, you can try and force yourself to be a certain kind of person, but I'm just, I'm just not a kind of person that can work on one thing. Like I see 
people who have only one project, they work at one company and that's all they do. And uh, I don't, I don't know if I could fit in that mold. I just don't think I could do it. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, but there are different ways. It's like there are ways to skin a cat. I mean, most people fail when they try and do too many things. Mm-hmm. But there are people who succeed doing more than one thing. Yeah. We've seen, we've read about, we've seen certain entrepreneurs have three or four projects and they get them going and they figure out ways to make them work. There are unorthodox, unconventional ways to make things work if you're that kind of person and you can figure out how to skin the cat. But one thing is like, one example could be Bill Gross and another example could be uh, Elon Musk. But I think in both of their cases, they didn't start that way. They got one thing right and then they got some cash and then they started doing progging into multiple things. And I wonder if that's a failing of us, of of yourself and myself, that we haven't just like stuck with one thing, got that right, got that cash created some success and then said, right now I'm going to create some kind of idea lab concept based on this extra money I've earned. Yeah, no, that's true. But so for me, you know, we haven't been doing anything with any foo. So it hasn't been eating, taking any of my time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and catalyst is, a, is something we do once a week for two hours. Yeah. Right. It's not like a project we're going on every day. Mm-hmm. So I had the mental energy. Well, maybe this new project is the one that it can be your one thing. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what I think. I, yeah. I, I, this is the thing. I, it's not like I'm launching for, ideas right now it's like okay well maybe with any food maybe we like um raise some money and we do something maybe we bring in a ceo to do something i mean there's other ways that we can do things Mm -hmm. um with it um but i don't know it's it's complicated and we'll we'll, i know there's some people who probably are uh skeptical of it but just withhold judgment (laughs) let us sort it out you know we we haven't have any decisions here we're going to do one way or the other but that's it so um yeah i think that's all to say about my projects okay cool so do you have any tech links <laughs> do i have any tech links <laughs> all right let's see here um oh you know for one thing i want to bring up i don't have the link to it but i just read this article in newsweek and i thought it was fitting considering what we we're talking about being the new year new year's resolutions and being able to keep yourself on target was um the i don't remember the title of the article is in this this uh, this edition the current edition or of um newsweek it was about not setting goals. Oh yeah. That setting goals essentially makes causes more stress. People don't tend to achieve goals just because they set goals or they remind so themselves. So what's the, the what's the antidote? The the things they were saying to do is is you want to just focus on the process. So it's not like, well, I want to um lose fifty pounds. It's like I want to get, and you get your butt to the gym every day for an hour or whatever right like whatever goal like get so, the so you're saying so okay so don't think about losing 50 pounds just think about i want to go to the gym every day do the thing yeah get yourself doing the things that are going to lead you there yeah so it's like well i have to have you know this new project done by new year it's like that all it does is it makes it not fun and it makes it stressful and makes you not want to do it yeah that's true you know i think i like that and it's like uh, i mean just just based on their quoting just the the you know the consensus on psychology or whatever psychological research is that that tends to not to work and that this often cited study from Yale, which was done back, you know, 30, 40 years ago, I think they said 53, that they had one group of, of these uh, Yale undergrads write down their goal, what they wanted to achieve in life. Mm-hmm. And the, and the, in the other group, not to write in on any of their goals and the group around the three percent and the three percent that wrote down their goals or something made more money than everyone else combined or something like that. Huh? It turns out the, that turns out it's totally false. There, there's no, that, that, that study was never done. The oh. archivist at Yale couldn't find any mention of it anywhere. So, it so someone just made something so up. So writing down goals and picturing goals doesn't, at least according to the research, 
doesn't but you you at least need to have a rudder like some kind of idea where you're going in your life yeah but i think oh but yeah but oh it's not that you don't say well this is what i'm trying to do yeah you know because i agree i I think you kind of have to say well i'm going to the gym i want to i want to try and lose some weight yeah you know ideally i'd like to lose 50 pounds but i'm like well i have to lose 10 pounds by two in two months or three months like it's just okay so to lose weight what i need to do is i need to get healthier i need to get the gym every day i'm gonna start going to the gym three days a week maybe things go well at some point i'll go five or six days a week well, kind of what you're doing, like just get yourself in the habit, which yeah. I think is really good. Yeah. And in the other thing they, they mentioned in here, which is something I think most of our listeners know we talk about is the power of small wins. Mm-hmm. Like just get this. Get gradualism. The, gradually, gradualism, yeah. But once you get like some small wins in your belt, it builds a momentum and gets you excited. Yeah. And um, so when you break tasks up and that's why sometimes when you have smaller tasks and you can get them knocked out, you feel better. So you know, for, for this, for the new project is just like getting the domain name. Yeah. Getting the website, getting, getting the, the, the domain point of the website, getting the registration system on. It's like, well, okay, that was good. You know, like I, I feel, feel, feel good. Like I, I feel release of pressure. Well, the, I, I structure my days like that. You know, I like, I'll, I'll put at the beginning of the day, like a little bullet point list. Like this is what I have to get done, mm-hmm. you know, and it definitely makes life easier. Yeah. And I think that's why it's like, you know, we, we, and people know that from agile development, like you get lots of releases, you get new features out there. It feels good. Not only do you learn quicker and do you take less risk, but you just get the the positive rush of like, we got that out there. That worked. It's not like you ship something once a year or two years, you ship something, you know, every week or something. Yeah. Or every, every few hours (laughs) or whatever, you know, it's case of me, but you can Now it was interesting because I just read an article and I'll probably link to it. I think it was a study hacks. It was talking about, um, I think this guy's named Cal, Cal Newport or something. He writes study hacks. He's a, he's an academic. I think he's a computer scientist. Um, yeah. And he was talking about uh, the one thing you have to be careful of is that you spend all your time thinking and making progress, like replying to emails and doing these like sort of miniature tax, tasks, mini tasks. But you need deep learning or deep. Deep, um, deep thought. I can't remember. It's deep something. It's like deep. Um, so it's like like the the mental equi- equivalent of uh, penny wise and pound foolish. Yeah, like you you could spend all morning just doing like, you know these 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 little tiny tasks, which I do sometimes catch myself doing. You know, replying all these emails, doing all this little stuff that has to get done, but I'm not really making any core progress. Yeah. So it's like you need to set aside a time for two three hours. Well, you're doing the real to, stuff. One to three hours, I think, is what he says. And you just crank and like you don't you, 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 you that's what you're looking for. You turn off the phone, you you turn off email and you just do it. Mm-hmm. And I think you're really good at that. Like you just barrel well, down. I, and I kind of am good at that. And But that's why I'm bad at some of the other stuff. Like I'm bad at like, you know, I don't know, the smaller stuff of, of like. Reply to the experts or clients. Re- they replying to experts in any foo or, uh, you know, commenting on the blog or whatever, because I'm just very, very focused. Like that's why I get stuff out the door. That's why I knock stuff out. Yeah. So I, I spend a lot of time and a lot of time, but I do do all those little things. And sometimes my, my core, my core time where I get stuff done is in the morning from like nine to 12, 1230. And if I spend too much of that time doing all the little tasks, yeah, it's bad. Yeah. I don't make any real progress. Well, you just need to ban yourself from doing little tasks at that time in the morning. Well, That's- I think the key is you can get started on it. You can do like a half hour and like knock out the critical ones. Like go out and knock three or four, reply to some emails. Get well, yeah, done. because then- if you don't, do you have this other thing where it like weighs over you? You've like, oh God, I've, it's like a little little grain of sand in there. Like I need to answer those emails. So you can't do the other thing. Well, I'm a procrastinator about all those little things. And, I, and, and they come back and they... 
and they bite me in the butt. Like for instance, I've been meaning to do a final closing down of Adaptex Technologies, which is a company that we did Prezo with. Yeah. And I waited all the way to like the last two weeks, week and a half, and we may not have time to close it in time. Because <laughs> it turns out that, that we have to file a state, an updated statement of information and then we have to formally close it, which means I'm going to have to pay another $1,000 next year. That's the kind of stuff I do. Yeah. Um, no, no, I, or, I, I'm guilty of that kind of thing. But that's because that's form filling. Like, I hate form filling. That's like literal torture. I, yeah, I literally had to beg Sandy to do it for me. Would you please do this, please? And she's like, <laughs> all right, fine. <laughs> so, like, I, the other last week, I had to go to um, a coach's meeting for my for Colby's AYSO soccer. Yeah. See, so they're going to have like a winter soccer season. It's a short season and it's for the U8 kids getting ready to go to U10. And so I'm going to be one of the coaches. And they're like, okay, all the coaches have to take these two online courses. One online course about concussions, another online course about what they call safe haven. And which, whatever. It's, and with each one is kind of, is, is like an hour, uh, an hour long online yeah. test. Or they go through and they show you a video, read some text, go through some slides and answer a few questions. And you can't, you have to pay attention because they ask you, they'll ask you just questions are just tricky enough that if you didn't read it, you're going to miss it. Yeah. And it got all the way up till the night before the coaches meeting. Like you have to have these done. Otherwise you can't be a coach. coach. And uh, the guy, the, what they call the, the, the coach who's in charge of all U8 teams. He's like, Jason, are you still going to be a coach or what? <laughs> so, and then in the person who runs all the AYSO teams, she was, you know, I, sh- you know, they were very nervous. Like I thought it was like some kind of flake and it was just on my list of things that I wasn't knocking out because it was two hours of just something I didn't want to do. Yeah. So yeah. you don't want to do what you don't want to do just like me. Yeah. I'm a little bit, I think I'm probably a little better at it. You know, <laughs> I knock out a lot of those things that are like 15 <laughs> minutes or five minutes, you know, applying to emails, replying to, uh, you know, sending out emails, reminding people we have a catalyst session, running people that we have a, you know, a soccer game, you know, um, responding to emails from listeners, replying to comments on the blog, you know, that kind of stuff. I'm pretty good at doing all that stuff, but the hour long online test course thing. Yeah. That's brutal. That's, that's or brutal. going through and trying to figure out how to how to file a statement information to say to California, close down the LLC. <sighs> Clearly I'm not good at that either. <laughs> uh, so moving on, um, we had that one email from Ben Reese about the Tesla shares. Oh, Ben Reyes. Ben Reyes, Reyes. yeah. yeah. So um, Ben emailed me about, uh, he said he bought um, like 30-some shares of Tesla. Yeah. Um, and he said Because that, of you. Because of me. So first thing I want to say- That's cool. First thing I want to say, <laughs> please don't buy or sell anything because I recommended it. I'm not a professional. I'm not licensed to recommend anything. I'm just talking about Tesla. So anything I say or do is- you know, you do your own homework, do your own research. I'm not recommending because I see that Ben is down thirty one dollars. Yeah, so he said. <laughs> so he said he bought some after they closed the hours, and that with commissions made him lose forty dollars. And so he said, ah, you know, maybe I'll sell it and wait till it goes down a little bit and buy it back. And I was like, okay, first of all, first things first, are you an investor? Or are you a trader? An investor is buying something from like you know three to twenty years. That's an inve- that's investing. A trader, somebody who's buying low and selling high on a more frequent be- basis, is doing something you know in the time span of you know thirty seconds to maybe a year. You're mm-hmm. trading in months, like you're you know you're kind of watching the market, you're looking for good times to get in and out. And I'm like, if you're following my lead, which again, <laughs> do your own research. Don't. Um, <laughs> if you're if you're if you're the reason that I'm 
in buy, that I've been buying Tesla is because I believe in Elon Musk's vision and strategy for Tesla. And I believe in Elon Musk. It's like, you know, it's like when, when Jordan has the ball in the end of a game, I get, I would bet on Jordan winning the game, Michael Jordan, right? Yeah. I bet on Elon Musk. I think Elon Musk is a good bet. I'm a good, I think Tesla's a good bet on oh, the long run. I think if you're, if you're asking, well, are you going to make or lose money over the next two or three years on Tesla? I have no idea. You, you may, you may lose money in the next two years. If you're looking to get out in eight, two years, if you're putting money away and you're like, I'm just not going to look at, look at it for the next five to 10, five years, at least I'm not, I, I might, you might check in once every six months just out of curiosity, but if it's going to cause you stress or you can't keep yourself from looking at it, I don't do it. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is, so yeah, that's the thing too. When you invest stuff, don't look at it like you're trading it. Don't you're, look you're at it. You're kind of day. thinking it's like you like as if you'd had the opportunity to invest in Apple in the in the seventies or something. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's going to go up and down. I mean, Tesla. It's very very early days for Tesla in the electric car movement. So if they get it right, they can win big. Yeah. I mean, I I think that Tesla right now is getting is almost like when the Prius first came out. It's never. It's going to be a long time before you replace all of gasoline and diesel-powered cars with electric cars. But I think in ten to fifteen years, it could be a sizable mainstream niche, just like the just like hybrids are. Yeah. Nobody even talks about hybrids. Like it's like something weird or or odd, right? Mm-hmm. People have and people have hybrid. I have hybrid or I don't have hybrid. It's like whether you have two door or four door. It's like I don't know. Some people yeah. have them. Some people don't. Yeah. And uh, I think that. Um, that can happen with electric cars. So that's how people are going to talk about electrics. That's what I think. I mean, you know, I think on the range of 10 to 15 years, it'll take a little longer than hybrids, but I think it'll get there. Um, and um, and that's why I think it has a huge potential. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's trading at $34, $35. I mean, you, you really shouldn't be worried about whether you buy it at 31 or 33 or 35 Yeah. I mean... Like you're thinking, you're thinking in 10 years, it's going to be like 200 kind of thing. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think that it'll... Right. I mean, I'm thinking in 10 years, you're, you're going to have a, that's what I'm shooting for. I'm your five to 10 X yeah. kind of thing because I, and, and also I just believe it. I think it's a great story. And also I'm not putting in so much money that I would be devastated or have feel a heck and I'm a card chip if I lost it. Yeah. It's just keep, it, I, I just keep on coming to the fact of, yeah. Okay. Put in a grand now. And in 10 years time, I get 20 grand. It's like, God, do I wait 10 years for 20 grand? Well, what do you do with your money otherwise? Well, you know, just oh, everything else that you do. Just like, but anyway, we already had that yeah, discussion. Yeah, yeah. There's no yeah, point yeah, going yeah, into yeah. that I'm again. just saying that, like, <laughs> you you can't put every money that you can't put all the money that you're there's there's money that you're you're saving, yeah. you're investing, and there's money that you're spending either to live or money that you might be investing in your own personal project. Just do but something. You don't put with it. all your money into your own project. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Too risky. Yeah. So you hedge. You, yeah. You hedge. And I'm not saying you put all your money in Tesla. I'm just saying that's one of the things. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, you don't put so much money in one of these things that you go, I, I wouldn't want to be the kind of thing that if it lost 20 or 30% of value that I'd be like, Oh, I would just be like, have a pit in my gut and be depressed. I don't be like, eh, whatever. You what know? do you think about like, so well, let's say don't invest more than you're afraid that you can't, you can't afford to lose. That's the rule. Right. Never go to Vegas and bet anything that if you lose it all, which you probably will, that you'll be upset about mm-hmm. only put enough money. So, you know. Maybe for investing in something like Tesla, it might be putting a thousand dollars, might be ten thousand dollars. It all depends on what your, how much money you have generally. I, I don't so. lose in Vegas because I I will. You cheat? No, no, because <laughs> because I'll I'll put like uh, say maybe a hundred bucks up, and then if I go up, if I go like twenty dollars or thirty dollars up, I, I'm done. I stop. Okay. If I go twenty or thirty down, I'm done. 
Like, so I guess I could lose 30 or something, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't go a whole hundred. I just watch everyone else lose all their money. <laughs> In yeah, fact, I, I don't, don't even think I bet last time we went when we were there for the, for the micro, mi- microconf. Yeah. I don't even think I placed a bet. Yeah. I don't, I don't gamble. Ever. Yeah. I, I, uh, I, it doesn't give me a good feeling. I don't like losing. I don't really get a thrill out of it. I know the odds are against me. I'm too aware of that. The odds are against me. And so, and I, I just don't enjoy it. So I was going to, I was going to ask you this. I was curious on your opinion about something. You get these people who are like private investment advisors, mm-hmm. you know, and they'll just advise you about where to invest your money. And that's their job. And they work with like a hundred different clients kind of thing. What do you think of something like that person like that and using someone like that? An investment advisor? Yeah. I mean, do you, like, do you think that that's, there's any mileage in, would you consider working with someone like that? No. Um, the vast majority of portfolio managers don't beat the market and you're just going to pay them extra um, an extra amount to do it. So that's called a portfolio manager, is it? Oh, the investment manager. Anyone who manages. I mean, yeah. If you if you took a a uh, a large, let's say you took 10,000 people who investment managers, they manage a portfolio, they manage funds for individuals or for a company, whatever. They pick and choose stocks and commodities to buy and sell. Mm. And you would say, okay, if half of those people were successful in a given year, right? See, half of them probably lose money, half of them make money, give or take. Maybe 50%, maybe 60%, okay? Just by the laws of probability, some fraction of those are going to make, just out of pure luck, going to make money for 10 years in a row. And there's no way to determine whether that's the case. But no matter what you're doing, every time they're buying and selling, they're charging you money to invest that for you. To trade. Now, so people who generally buy and sell... Um, and, you know, just sort of like just investment managers, like, oh, I, I'm really long this, or I'm long that. I'm just not really confident. I think there are people out there who are good at it, but they're few and far between. And most people, I would just say buy an index fund, if, buy if, an ETF, track, market tracking thing or whatever. Listen to what you just said. If there's 10,000 people and fit, doing this, I don't know how many people, there may be 100,000. If, if anything, less than 90% weren't successful, like basically you, you're saying 50% could be really bad. Mm-hmm. I don't understand how that's an industry. Every year, new people come in. But that that makes no sense. Like, sh- uh, surely an industry can only, like, for example, in developers, like a co- uh, coding industry, mm-hmm. we're, we're good at making programs. That's why you pay us. How can there be a whole industry where 90% of the people are shit at it and they all lose your money? Well, I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, first <laughs> of all. That makes sense. Well, yeah, okay. So, first of all, it's what they call survivor bias. Survivor bias. So, the ones you don't hear about disappear they go to business new ones come up they do well so you you a lot of the ones that are in business are people who who are there but they've survived right you have new people coming in like you you the way you say it it literally sounds like an absolutely awful idea to ever work with an investment broker i i mean i just think you don't know i just think i just think you're you're probably not you're not going to do better in the market plus you're going to be paying fees every year on your returns or just you know just fees in general which is going to kill kill your returns overall so i think they've done studies like this i've read a couple articles about that where they people who, who do mutual funds or do different types of investment portfolios that they do worse because their money gets eaten up by that this is better just buy like a uh, an, an, an index tracking fund so these etfs they call exchange traded funds that they track the market overall that those that very few if if very few portfolio managers can beat the market then just buy the market etf and then just don't worry about it huh 
But then I wouldn't put all your money in that. I put some money in bonds or whatever because, as we know, like 2017, it can lose like 34% of your value and people can flip out and freak out and sell out at the lows and think the world's going to come in then. So you probably don't want to put all your money in an ETF. So, you know. Huh. Well, thanks. Right. Thanks for answering that. But that's that's my opinion. <laughs> but then there are individual hedge funds that have certain individual strategies that do extremely well. Like our, well, like our guy we interviewed, Chan Tang. As we we didn't interview Chan Tang. Yes, we did. We did? Yeah. Inside the black box of uh, high frequency trading. Oh, oh no. Sorry. I'm thinking about another guy um, that we met in MarketConf who in, just invests in bootstraps. And the, his fund was just unbelievable. Was he? Is he doing yeah, well? Amazing. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not saying it's not possible to, to beat the market. And I'm not saying it's possible for there to be smart investors. I mean, there are out there. It's just hard to, it's extremely hard to know who's lucky and who's good. Yeah. That's what's hard to know. And I think you really have to do a lot of research and understand what they're doing. And, why and if they're good, are they doing some kind of Ponzi scheme? Occasionally, that's right. So, right. So, it's like, are they good? Are they cheating? Are they lucky? I don't know. Yeah. So, do you want to talk about, uh, I'm going to bring up some links? Yeah, sure. What? Um, this has been a crazy show. Yeah. Right. It's, it's, especially, I mean, even the first the first 20 minutes were recorded in such a weird way yeah. using the onboard mic of the Zoom. Well, speaking about economics, there's this article in The Independent um, talking about the economic return. This is the title is The Economic Return of Iceland Has Proved That the Joke Was on Us. And oh, Iceland, I like that post, yeah. And the, and the Independent was about Ireland. Yeah. So essentially, <laughs> Iceland's banks um, imploded. They, had, they were way over leveraged and they owed a huge sums of money to other countries, other banks in other countries mm-hmm. and investors in other countries. Um, there was a lot of pressure from the global financial community, like the World Bank and the IMF or whatever, and the US and the EU and stuff, to, and particularly England, the Bank of England and the, and, 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 uh, the English government, to get, them, to get the country of Iceland to make good on those three Icelandic banks. Yeah. Essentially, and, and because it turns out that the people running those banks were somewhat crooked, big surprise. Mm-hmm. People, people making huge sums of money and over-leveraging themselves, the fact that they might be crooked is, should be no surprise to anyone after the 2008 financial meltdown, mm-hmm. because that's largely was a major reasons why that happened. Now, the Icelandic bank, the Icelandic people voted not to, not to cover their debts. They're like, those are banks. Those are companies. We're not paying the people of England or France right, exactly. or Japan or Goldman Sachs or Bank of England money. We're not know. bailing our banks out. Yeah, they're going to they're gonna go. Which is what America has done, which is what Ireland's done. Yeah, all yeah. these. Yeah. So, and what's Ireland, and so, but Ireland was, they bent to the pressure. They're basically, the, the, finance, in, the international financial community was basically saying, look, if you don't make good on these debts, no one's going to lend your country money. Mm-hmm. Any banks that start in your country, you're not going to be able to get any kind of credit with any other country, and, and growth is going to be impossible. So, you don't want to do that. Now, I'm not, I have to double, I haven't done any research in a long time, but I'm pretty sure that's what Argentina did. And then they, they imploded in the 90s and they didn't, they just wiped away and they said, we're not going to pay anybody, anybody, anything. Yeah. And then they rebuilt their economy and then they were, they were doing really well for, after a few years. <laughs> and the same thing is happening with Iceland. Yeah. They're taking off. Their growth is 3% or something like that or over 3%. Whereas Ireland was pressured into bailing out their banks. They cut out the, this, the, the citizens, the country just paid up, paid these banks, which the banks, if they made money, were pro- making the profits. They weren't sharing those profits with the country. 
What, but that's what's happened in, in the U.S. Right. And that's happened in the U.S. that they're not sharing those profits with the country. So, and now Ireland is going to maybe, it's going to be flat or maybe make 1% GDP. So, they're much worse shape yeah. than uh, Iceland. Who and, and guess what? People are, are more than happy to say, okay, let's bygones be good bygones. Not cry or spill milk. We'll lend you money. Yeah, exactly. So, Iceland's good. Iceland's fine. So, Iceland's they made fine. the right decision. So, don't bend international, the international financial community when they want you to pay their, you know, bail out the banks. Yeah. Don't sucks. bail out the banks ever. Let the banks fail. And let the uh, let new banks come in and 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 buy up the assets there are any and uh, move on. I totally wish that we'd done that in the U.S. Yeah, right. No kidding. So that's a whole other huge discussion. But I thought that was an interesting thing. Oh, speaking of investing, go on. Great article. Um, an angel. So angel. Uh, angel list is going is starting to allow people to invest online in thousand dollar thousand dollar minimum. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be amazing. if you're accredited. You're a credit investor, which means that you've made two hundred thousand dollars or more for two years in a row, or you have a million dollars net worth. So that probably that probably means most of the people in the show, including us, won't be able to do this, participate in this. But, but maybe one day, maybe in a couple of years, if uh, you're uh, make a lot of money consulting, or you get some options in your startup and whatever startup you're working for, get to cash out, or if you but, have. But a what about side. if it was a company? Mm-hmm. Can a company do it? Can a company invest in? Yeah. Can I come? So if we started an LLC, called, we sold an LLC called TZ Investments Limited, and we we sort of fund, and we get all of our listeners to donate five hundred bucks, and our fund has you know a hundred thousand or whatever, and then we choose all sorts of different things to back for a thousand bucks. Okay, so we first of all, you can't solicit. Okay, the only way that you can get, I'm trying to think. Let's say we would essentially be like that'd be like a hedge fund almost, right? And only accredited investors can invest in a hedge fund. Oh. Um, behaving less like a hedge fund since it would be investing in private companies and behave, behaving more like a venture capital fund. But again, venture capital funds can only raise money from accredited investors. Well, how about if they just donated the money to us and we started our own thing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, but, yeah. <laughs> Donate money to us so that we can go make money for more money for ourselves. I, no, I, so I, I think the, 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 the only way that you can invest in companies like this are if you're accredited or if you're personal friends or family of the founders. So like if you started up, if you said, Hey, I'm starting on you know, my next little startup. Or if I said, Hey, Justin, you know, we start talking, you're like, I want to put 10,000 in this little thing you're doing. We could do that would be fine. It's called friends and family. Right. When they say friends and family, it doesn't mean friends and family are credit. It means, you know, but I can't go out and say, Hey, everybody texting listeners, everybody, you know, Best money in this thing that that would be uh, in violation of um, SEC rules. Okay, regulations. So. Well, cool. Well, we just we just have to make a bit more cash and get a bit richer so we can start doing this. That's right. So two hundred thousand dollars two years in a row is doable if you're making if you're charging high rates and you keep yourself. You know, you you do do a fair number of hours. You're not. But I was also reading that that there is a a real glut of seed investment, and there's so many companies that are over invested at the seed round. That basically the talent is spread way too thin on all of the seed seed level investments, so that then the A round there's just there's not enough uh, people to make to make things work on the A round. Have you have you heard about this? Yeah, I just heard an inter- I was just at this interview yesterday um, on this week's startup with Jason Calacanis. He was interviewing Jeff Clavier. Yeah. Um, and he asked him about that, and he said it's not true. Okay. So he he says it's not true. It's not. 
Uh, but it's it, but if he says that, that's not an issue. I, I've got a feeling that would be that would behoove Jason Calacanis to say that. Because no, not Calacanis didn't say that. Jeff Clavier. Oh, okay, right. Okay. And Jeff Clavier is one of these blogger VCs. He's very similar to um, Fred Wilson. Okay. Of, uh, wait, for, he's a first round, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Jeff Clavier is one of these. He seems like a really nice kind of these nice guys. Yeah. Really knowledgeable. But what really round open. does he invest in? What's his typical? They're a big fund. They they tend to invest in later stuff, but they invest in some earlier stuff. Too. Well. They're a big fund, but they invest in a lot of early stuff. Right. So day around. I, yeah, I don't okay. know. I, anyway, he, yeah. he sound believable. I, I, yeah. I didn't get any indication. That I thought he was like, okay. you know, trying to talk to his advantage <laughs> in some way. But um, all right. Well, we're going to need to wrap up pretty soon. Let's get through a couple more of these things real quick. Come on. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't have. I don't have too much longer. Oh, what? Your blood sugar's getting too high? Yeah, blood sugar's getting too high and, <laughs> and I need to wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's just say let's just say the truth. You you're taking tired to listen to me. No. That's the truth. Not That's at fine. All. I can, I can George's George's got back and we need to prepare to go to you're Yep, not in a rush? she just shook she just shook you off. She's not in a rush. She's you're not much help anyway. All right, fair she, enough. She, she's like, look. Okay. So, this That's gonna, fine then. Let's give the people what they want. All Links. Right. <laughs> <laughs> go on then. <laughs> so um did you see the the uh, read the article about intellectual ventures? Is it don't mind our two thousand shell companies? That's totally normal. Yeah, tell me about that. It's on Tech Dirt. Unfortunately, I, got, I only got about halfway through this one, but essentially, I, I guess there's um, I'm going off memory, but there was like a site called like Plain Sight or something. Yeah, and and, it and was, they raised it, some money, and it revealed that the, there were two thousand two thousand shell companies for the for that IP troll. Yeah, and this is uh, Nathan Mevrol. Nathan Mevrol was. Um, he was like um, Bill Gates, B- Bill Gates's big brain at Microsoft. Like he's yeah. the one who started Microsoft Research. So he's a physicist. He worked with Stephen Hawking. Um, so he's a brilliant guy intellectually. He's now he's just, he tries to pass himself off as this affable, you know, uh, sort of geeky chef. Right, like he has yeah. intellectual ventures, but he does all this shit. He wrote this. He's been in a series of like using science for cooking, and you know, he seems like a nice guy. Yeah, you know, you talk to him, and and uh, but but the fact that they're doing this is is obviously I don't think it's it's indefensible. Yeah, I think um I mean there's been a lot of articles popped up in like I think in the Atlantic and the Economist and the Wall Street Journal and everyone basically there's all this research is showing that it's just sucking um, billions of dollars out of our economy and it's killing innovation. It's just it's just this really nasty, pernicious tax on the lifeblood of our economy because our economy depends on companies being innovative and uh, taking risks and doing technical things. And then when you have these trolls come out and just try and, you know, um, extort money out of you, it's just uh, just really uh, it's a real problem. So I, I think the good news is I think there's the pressure is building across the country in the media and I think in Washington to do something about this problem. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the, the only, the, the, the reason it might not happen is that if intellectual ventures is successful enough and has enough money, then they can hire huge, they can influence things by just putting tons of money into lobbying. Yeah. Right. If they're making billions of dollars and they'll just funnel a hundred and if they need to, if, 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 this legislation will, f- will effectively kill their business. Then they might as well, f- uh, f- you know, funnel hundreds of millions of dollars into lobbying, right? Mm-hmm. And you funnel hundreds of millions of dollars in Washington. What do you think you're going to get? What you want? Your way, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you get what you want. So I don't know, but uh, the the good news is that um, on the small side, that the EFF patent project 
um, got a half million dollar boost from Mark Cuban. Um, awesome. And Notch. I don't know what Notch is, but I, I didn't get a chance to read that whole thing. It was a press release. But um, so that's exactly what we had talked about. It's like what I think the idea I came up with about a year and a half ago when the whole Sopa Pippa thing. And I said, we need um, we need to start a f- uh, there needs to be something like the EFF or ACLU that raises that that can raise a lot of money and that can do three things. It can write um, these amicus briefs for any any um, company that's being that's fighting against a troll. They can do um, a lot of media. We do a lot of work in the media, write write articles, um, you know, just like the ACLU and EFF does, and 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 try and influence um, uh, policy in Washington. So, do you think that uh, they got the idea from you? No, but I, it was cool. But I just want to. That was like. <laughs> What's well, funny is like so much stuff that we talk about on the show. It's ha- funny when you it see happens. that it happens later. Right, and it was it, called the Innovation but Freedom Foundation. Because it's just a zeitgeist. It's just a zeitgeist. Like we're 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 kind of looking at at the whole mix and we're just taking it to the next logical step. Yeah. Oh, well, first of all, I want to say the name was IFF. It was which wasn't named by us. Was one of our listeners yeah. called it the I, in, uh, the Innovation Freedom Foundation. Yeah. If. And what do perfect. they call it? Uh, they just call the Patent Project. Yeah, right. Yeah. If is great, though, right? Like yeah. if this happened, if this existed, <laughs> possibility. That's the perfect yeah. name. Um, that's it's cool to see it. So, are we? Uh, do we have a good track record for predicting things, or is it just happened that anyone predicted it? I don't. Nobody else mentioned this kind of thing that I saw. Th- mm-hmm. In this case, I think sometimes we're pretty good at. Predicting I mean, stuff. No Agenda have an amazing track record. They have this little red book where they write things down that they predict. Then they do come up. There's a lot of good stuff. Well, you know, it's not like we're predicting so much as that we talk about things or like this would be a good idea or this should happen and then eventually it, gets ha- it happens, right? Yeah, so it's because like, its time has come. I mean, if we're thinking about it, it's because we're looking at some foundational aspects and we're going, oh, right, well, obviously A plus B equals C kind of thing. Yeah, I think we, sh- I think we get a tip of the hat for being a little clever about some of that stuff. Yeah. About, it being, having, being, about being good at, at ideas, but... You know, I mean, yeah, it's like it's like most things that we talk about, somebody will come up with eventually. I'm telling you, the next thing, the next big thing that's going to come out is rack servers that are a thousand Raspberry Pis, and it's like a, it's its own little cloud system. That's uh, that's what I think is going to. Hasn't happened. There were yeah, well, they're very close. I don't think that's a much of a prediction. I'm not giving you all that credit for that. Oh, okay, you got to go. You got to come up with something a little bit because they're doing stuff like that, aren't they? I don't know. Well, like you know, like those Barracuda rack units. Yeah. Imagine yeah. if you just put like I don't know a hundred Raspberry Pis in there, and they were all networked together. So it's its own little cloud infrastructure, and then you plug that into your main infrastructure. It's like a cloud within a cloud. Yeah. Well, I was there's an article I read the other day about how. They replaced like the cell tower, the thirty foot cell tower, mm-hmm. with a Raspberry Pi. Oh wow! They had to do it in like a radio, a room that was could block radio signals, so they didn't get in trouble with the FCC or whatever. But yeah, I mean, it's these these sort of little miniature microcontroller boards are pretty powerful. It's impressive what you can do. Yeah. Oh, speaking of that, let's just talk a little catalyst. Okay. So, um, okay. So the uh, good news is there's no catalyst for two weeks. <laughs> We can take a break. Justin just gave me two thumbs up while I was yawning. Um, <laughs> so we have it every Tuesday night for two hours. It is definitely, without a doubt, the most exhausting two hours of my week. Same for me. Without probably at least twice as hard as any other two hours. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Although it's not as exhausting as, I mean, it's it's more mentally exhausting, but it's not as exhausting as working out with a personal trainer. Right. So, th- so that's more painful. Yeah. It's more painful than the two hours of Catalyst? Yeah. Okay. Not mentally. 
not mentally, but it's, yeah, those are two hardest parts of your week. Yeah. Yeah, so, all right, so so we have two weeks off because next Tuesday falls on Christmas, and the Tuesday after that falls on New Year's Day, so there's no way that we could um, do a session anyway. Yeah. Which is good because I think we could both use a break. <laughs> and um, I, as I've been talking about, I just haven't had time to finish it up, uh, and for other reasons, is getting the point system built into the Catalyst IDE. Because that is just such a big deal. We have to, um, and, and, and the reason that's happening is, and I don't know why this is going on, and I went over this with Guyon, who's done a lot of Mongo work. We could not get update statements to work with uh, Mongo. Hmm. It was a nightmare. I spent like three hours on it. And uh, finally, I'm, I'm, I mean, I have two options. Either A, I switch off of uh, AppFog, which, has, which is where my node instance is, and I go to some other service. Um, or I... Um, create like some really comprehensive and simple test example and send it to the guys there at AppFog and say, here's your, perfect, here's your complete example. This does yeah. not work. You know, make it work. Because yeah, a lot of times you try to explain stuff like, well, we can't tell or it should work. And you're like, dude, I'm telling you, it's not working. Because um, I, I, I showed Guy on, I'm like, am I doing something stupid? I mean, look at this. We went through everything. And then I was all over Stack Overflow for TARS. We tried every possible thing that people were recommending on Stack Overflow and other sites, this kind of thing. And I'm like, none of this works. None of this is helping. Remind me to circle back to that because I've got something to say about that. Okay. And the third option is to uh, use something like Cloudant, mm-hmm. which I was just like an, which is an, it's like a database as a service. Like or CouchDB. I think Cloudant uses CouchDB. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Cloudant. Yeah. I was like, maybe I'll just use Cloudant because I think... I've heard you, good things about Cloudant from Sebastian. Yeah, I think you were talking about that. I went through their site. They look like they have a really good API. And uh, also, they um, I read a really good uh, post from Postmark, uh, which is like one of these like mailgun send grid services. Yeah. And they moved all their all their database stuff over to Cloud, and they were really impressed. Oh wow! So it would allow me. So it would allow me to to get something working. And uh, I don't know, it's one solution. It's either that or I, I try and work with the AppFog guys and have them help me out figure out what the problem is. So that's just been a nightmare because what happened, I thought our last um, our last session was a really bad one, <laughs> <laughs> and which is unfortunate. I mean, you know, we've, we, they range, right? Like it's a, it's a normal distribution. There's well, because really you, you didn't have any of the Lego stuff set up. So we... So we like not only did we not have the uh, point system, the point system, but also there was no pre-work done on the Lego stuff. So, so basically, yeah. the whole thing was just a, a, a discovery, but no discovery was made. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, sh- so we didn't have a plan because I was spent the whole second half of my day trying to get that working. It should have been a half-hour yeah. thing. I spent four hours, and not only did I not get it working, but I was completely frustrated and exasperated. Yeah. In, in a bad mood because of it. No, you weren't in a good mood. So they come in and nothing's working. And then I look like I'm not prepared and I'm not prepared because I try to get stuff working. Yeah. And you, you, you weren't prepared as well as not as looking like you weren't. Prepared. Yeah, it was bad. <laughs> and, and then, so and you and I, so because I spent time doing that, you and I didn't have, not that we've really done much of this in the past, but we had no chance to figure out like, what's the plan? What are we doing today? So we're not on the same page. There was no plan. I just said, hey, Justin, can you like go over to some review some stuff? And you're like, and you were mad at me because I was hungry. I was sitting there eating a sandwich well, because no, I hadn't eaten all day. And you're like mad at me. And I'm like, 
No, it was a bad break. I was in a bad mood, but you showed up 20 minutes late and then you sat down with a sandwich for 10 minutes. And I'm like, seriously, dude, we have kids going nuts. You show up 20 minutes late. You say forgot about it, even though I reminded you the day before. You show up 20 minutes late and you have a sandwich. Okay. A, it was 10 minutes late. No. Yeah. And B, your man got to eat. (laughs) All right. But you can see why that was not working for me, right? Fair so enough. I, but I mean, maybe I was a little grumpier than I should have been, but I was grumpy because <laughs> that I wasn't like mad at you because of that. I was just generally grumpy because right. things were not going well. So the kids were just going crazy. So here's the thing. I've been thinking about like, you know, looks like we have a couple weeks off because I think we need to do a reset. Um, I think one, um, I absolutely have to have this point system done. I'm going to get that. I'm getting that done the next few days. I mean, w- one way or another, that's got to work because the kids are dying for structure and like structure in their progress and what they know. Secondly, they need, um, um, they need um, practice. They need to review on stuff. So stuff needs to be drilled. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like... And they need to do it at home. And they need to do it at home. It's like you can't, teach, you can't teach algebra once a week and not give any homework. That's what we're doing effectively. And no wonder we're like, oh, I don't think they remember this. Well, it's because they don't have any reinforcement. We have to reinforce it. And if, we, if, they, have, if they can use it at home... And there are um, and there are points and stuff. And another thing I want to just add in is some like question and answer stuff to kind of reinforce syntax. So I don't actually have to write a, a, pro, a program, but like here's a broken program. What's which line has an error? You know that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, simple things like that. So we need to have. I need to get that done. We need to have. I need to make sure that I have a plan of what we're going to do and, and cue you on it beforehand. Sorry, Justin. So here's the plan. First thing we're going to do this. Then we're going to do this. I mean, obviously we can adjust if things don't go well, but like we had to come in with some kind of a battle plan. Um, so again, that's something that I need to do. Uh, I need to make sure we're doing. Um, we need to have a battle plan. Third, we have to, we have to, um, we got to um, be, be a little more disciplined with them. So <coughs> we're, we, we started letting them play little video games at break because they all want to play video games which was better than them going nuts when they take a break and doing handsprings around and flipping out. But that's gotten out of control. Like they're playing more video games than they actually are coding or doing anything. Mm-hmm. That's a problem. And we need to, and that's something that you and I need to talk about how to do this, but um, we can't do the, I'm your friendly uncle, mm-hmm. buddy, which I know you more comfortable being like, hey, just kind of friendly, but it doesn't work. We gotta, you gotta be like a coach. Like we have to be tougher on them. Sit down, stop messing around, you know, like, when I'm at, when you're, you know, cause, and I was talking to one of the parents. She's like, yeah, I think you guys need to. I don't think any of the parents have a problem. You know, you have to be stricter with them. I think the, the parents have a problem when, when things are out of control. When you were out of the room and I was on my own for half an hour, I had the whole classroom listening and paying attention. Was well, that, no, day, that was a session was good. Right. But that's because there were fewer kids. There was like 10 kids there. And there, were, there, there was like There was seven. three sets of three. There was, not, there was definitely nine kids there. I think, I think the session before there were seven. But anyway. But the bottom line is, just in general, we have to come up with like a plan, like how are we going to, but we got to be a little tougher on them. Mm-hmm. And we got to crack down on the video games because it's just getting, the parents aren't crazy about it. Right. Like they see the kids playing video games. They, they understand the kids it's always tough to manage kids. So, you know, basically we need to get things more structured and, and nailed down. Okay. Because I think uh, things will be more efficient. But it's like, if you let a classroom get out of control, then you just spend the rest of the year kind of like being run over by the kids. And I think we're kind of on the cusp of letting the kids kind of just not listening and then it's just not productive and it's frustrating okay so again that's something we'll just have to kind of uh, sort out before a session okay this is what we're gonna do and and kind of talk to a few of the kids all right this is video games this is the plan you know yeah you don't if you can't fulfill the plan you can't limit the video games then we can't play video games at all 
you know, so. Um, but that's a catalyst. Anyway, so we got a two-week break, so which is good. Reset, and then we can be like coming with a whole new yeah. deal. Let me just see if there's any critical things. Otherwise, we can call it. I am. Yeah, I'm so tired. Right why are you so tired? Oh, because you drank I, all I day yesterday. I drank and I didn't get very much sleep. <laughs> <laughs> so let's see here. Yeah, you know, the last thing I'll bring up, which is really small, was um, I, this was a couple weeks ago. I meant to bring it up is um, that Jeff Bezos attended 60 investor meetings to raise 1 million from 22 people just to get Amazon started. Isn't that amazing? Wow. 60 investor meetings. Not like 7 or 10. That's amazing. 60. And he raised 1 million. Not like he went to raise 20 million. 1 million. I mean, from 22 different people. That's not, that is quite an effort. And the most interesting part about it, you know, because there was a video with him, with, with him talking about this and he's like, He's like, you know what? He tries to operate under what he calls the regret minimization framework. Hmm. Like, because he was working at DE Shaw. He was like a senior, I think he was a CTO, or he had some very senior position at DE Shaw, which for people don't know, it was sort of the forerunner in the black box high-frequency trading world. Yeah. And um, David Shaw was a mathematician, computer scientist from Columbia. He started DE Shaw, and it's been. But he was kind of mad at uh, Jeff Bezos because he felt like he was developing Amazon on his dime. Not according to the talks, unless you got another resource. I mean, basically, yeah. he went and gave a talk. Like they went, a, they went on a walk together. Oh, okay. Because he told him what he wanted to do, and David Shaw said, "Hey, you know, so you want to start a bookstore online?" He said, "That's just like a great idea for somebody who doesn't already have a great job." Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, "Why?" So he said, "So he told." Uh, Jeff Bezos to like take a day and think about it mm-hmm. because because that was essentially supposed to be Jeff's uh, you know uh, uh, what you call his him quitting right and putting his his resi- resignation and so David Shaw said look let's take a walk I want to hear about your idea and then he says all right take a day let's you know so he came back and I guess it was he, he just realized he's like if he doesn't do this he's going to regret it yeah like he just felt the need to do it and. That was one of the reasons why I wanted to do this other project I'm thinking about because I was like, ah, I'm just dying. This is a good, I know this is a good idea. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, would, I don't know it's going to succeed, but I know it has a good, it has a pretty good shot at being something that could work. Yeah. And so it's like, I think, you know, it's just like starting Catalyst or for you doing, you know, your projects. I don't want to give any away or whatever, right. but it's like, there's a part of you, it's like regret minimization. Like I have to, if I don't do this and somebody else does it, I'm going to be really irritated with myself yeah i am going to regret it you know it's like you know and like as if it is uh with like henry henry j styles if he's real <laughs> said about catalyst so how long before we drop catalyst it's like you know catalyst i didn't i'm not guaranteeing that we're gonna do catalyst for 10 years you know as i said it was a three-month experiment it could grow blow up into something bigger let's see so we're already three and a half months in it's probably at least going to be a six-month thing it could very well be a multi-year thing mm-hmm. we've done I ran a soccer team for 10 years. You're just going to do it as long as it remains interesting to you. You know, as it makes sense. The soccer team ran for 10 years. We, tons of stuff. Won championships, were on TV shows, played professional soccer teams. It was a great experience. Tons of great stories, great friends. Any, I mean, uh, Tegzing, we've done, this is a 219th show. Are we going to guarantee that we're going to do 1,000 shows? No. But we've done 219 shows. You know, come on, guys, give us a break. <laughs> so I'm um, saying, so for Catalyst, you know, I, I, I again, it's like the whole. I don't, I don't want to commit and say we're going to do any one thing or another, but let's see how it goes. And um, 
again, but if I had, if we hadn't done catalyst, I would have regretted it because I thought it was a good idea. You know, I thought it'd be something we could do, but now, I, now it's like, okay, I, I can't regret it. Now I feel good about it. We've learned a lot. It's been in, a good experience. In actual fact, Jason has never suggested quitting texting. Yeah, I'm not really a quitter. I, I mean, I stick with things well, but you, it doesn't mean everything you do, you have to do for the rest of your life or whatever. You do things as long as they make sense, can you doing them or as long as they're fun or fit into your life or whatever. So, um, but again, it's better to do things, I think, give them a shot, you know, and, and some things they turn out to be, they just don't work for one reason or another. You know, it may not, I don't think it's always, I mean, you're not always a quitter just because you stop doing something. So that's the regret minimization framework. Yeah. So do it. If, if you're too worried to like, you know, I, I can't do, I'm not going to do this because if I don't do it forever, I'm going to be called a quitter. Right. Yeah. Or if I don't, if I give up after three months or a year or two years and I'm a quitter, are, are, are we a quitter? If we stop doing this podcast, it's show 500. Are we going to be quitters? I mean, is, is catalyst going to be a quitter if we don't do it for more than a year? I mean, what, what's, what's quitting, you know? Um, well, I think qu- less quitting is- makes sense. I mean, um, the dip by, uh, what's his name? What, what's- uh, the Seth Godin. Yeah. Yeah. Like the whole thing's about, you should quit, quit all the stuff that is not getting you to your ultimate goal. Just do as little as possible. And that's the one thing that you focus on. Yeah. And, and, and so for me, I want to think about the whole doing more than one thing. Cause I, obviously I do more than one thing. But they don't have to be an exclusion. Catalyst is not a competitor for any food. It's not a competitor for my consulting work for Uber. My, comp- you know, you know, these things really don't compete that much. Mm-hmm. The only thing you could say is like, if I do this other project, it could compete with um, uh, any food. The time, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, and they don't compete with texting. Mm-hmm. Texting is this other thing we do. Yeah, I could, if I, if we stopped doing texting and I didn't do Catalyst, I could carve out a few more hours a week to work on any for whatever, but I'm not optimizing necessarily for the absolute and complete and utter possibility you wouldn't be so happy. of one thing. It's like my life is much richer and more interesting because of the podcast, because of Catalyst, because of doing any for other projects, you know? Yeah. So I think that's one thing you have to keep in mind is like when people give advice like that, make sure you have to put in the context of who you are and really is what you're personally optimizing for. Well, I also think it's like learning. So say any food ever goes anywhere. A lot of the discussion and decisions that we've made with any food and a lot of the things that we've done are learning opportunities and I will carry them into new projects that we do, you know, so I don't think anything's ever wasted in that way. Yeah. You know, so it reminds me of the advice that my um, my uh, late professor teacher um, Steve Segur, um, he passed away a few couple few years ago. He was a physicist and actually he was my basketball coach. Ending and, on a happy note, are we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's an amazing guy. No, but so this was years ago, and I, you know, what he's but he was just to say he was he was like the Zen like guy, and he would always say, and I always say, but he said a few times to me, doing things is good, just doing stuff. <laughs> Most people don't do anything. Yeah. Mo- he's talking like he's talking in the context of high school. Most kids they go to school and then they hang out, or they go and they may go to their sport or music practice, whatever. And then, but they don't do anything else. They don't explore anything else. They don't try anything else. They just hang out, they watch TV, or hang out with their friends, do something. So when you come to him, and you're like, "Hey, I'm working on this project." He's like, "That's right. Doing stuff is good. Doing catalyst is good. Doing any foo is good." Doing the podcast is good. And I think that's, and, so, and it's all part of the regret minimization. So do something. I think the title of the show should be Do Something. Do Something. 
<laughs> to something. Yeah, I was really like, this is like, this is a pol- uh, this is also like apologies of an overcommitter. So I've kind of apologized or tried to explain confessions of an overcommitter. It's like, right, okay, yeah. so like, at least people can understand. I may not agree necessarily with why I do what I do and and whatever, but this is, you know, this is why. This is who I am, I guess. All right. Well. So hopefully, um, I think it's a show, man. Yeah, I think it is. I think is. you're about to fall asleep. I think I am. <laughs> <laughs> and I've got a lot of editing work to do on this as well because uh, I screwed the, the first 20 minutes recording up as well. So. And by the way, I'm not mad at you. Oh, good. Not mad at you. Not mad at you. All right. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's a wrap. We're out. Peace.